0: Yeah, baruch Hashem. Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night. Shir Baruch Hashem. Nisimas Nachman Yaakov Ben Zihirsh Olav Shalom and Batsheva Chana Shalom Bas Vodlu Lavram Shichia. This Shabbos is Parshas Boi. It is the Shabbos before Yud Shvat, which I thought Atlanta, Georgia was going to surprise us and come for Shabbos, but it seems that he's uh, letting us down. Or maybe he'll surprise though. Shabbos is a long way off. Um, let's go cover this, okay? Shabbos before Yud Shvat. There are many different minhagim, customs that the Rebbe has instituted. Namely, of course, um, everyone gets an aliyah the Shabbos before Yud Shvat, keeping as if... When when one has Yerzai for a parent, they get Shabbos before the Yerzai, they get an aliyah. And... Um, So too, Shabbos before Yishvat, the meaning is that everyone gets an Aliyah Latayra.
1: Um
0: Not everybody has to give a Kiddush. It would be a little bit uh, exaggerated if everybody decided to give a Kiddush. Um Getting an Aliyah, Shabbos for Yud Shvat is trying, especially in Kron Heights, 770, where everybody needs to get an Aliyah, and what would usually go on, time in history, we would come far and wide, we'd walk, that was the uh, famous Shabbos, the miracle story of Shabbos, Shabbos for Yud Shvat, we almost didn't make it. Uh, physically. The weather was way, way below zero. And it was quite a walk from Borough Park. But Baruch Hashem, miraculously, we did come at 7.70, about 7 o'clock in the morning. And you would see groups of people getting together. And you have the Anche Chesed, There'll be Tzadav to the Minyan, because you only eight Elias. You only have eight aliyas, we don't make a suffix. So, since there were only eight alias, eight people got aliyas natera, the and then two others used to sit there just to help out with the minion to be a center, a ninth in a center. Um, the significance of yitzchvat. The Rebbe said that when a minion is made to create a Tata the elder of the group should get Maftir. Maftir is usually given to a balyard site. At the time, Tavshin Aleph, there were many, many Khsidim that saw and knew the Freelich Rebbe, the previous Rebbe. However, unfortunately, as time evolves, there are less and less Khsidim today that met, saw, and knew, the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous, the Babit And therefore, it's usually a random, or they say the oldest one of the group,
1: mm-hmm.
0: takes Maftir. The Shabbos before Yudshvat, most times, is Pashas Boi, and rare times Pashas bshalach I don't remember Pashas Ve'era, But I'm sure it's possible. But for most of the times, it's Pashas boy. Boy el pare. Now, translate the words, and there's something wrong. Boy el pare means "come to pare." Now, who's talking here? And to whom is he talking? It's the Almighty, the Evishter, is talking to Moshe and Aaron and telling them, go to Pari to tell him to let my people go. they Eden need to leave Egypt and they have to come and serve me. <laughs> In that case, the wording is wrong. Instead of boi el pare, it should be lech el pare. Go to pare. Why is it boi el pare? Come to pare. We also find boi boi el hateva. We discussed in Pashas Noah, where Nayakh is told to come to the Ark. Also, the Almighty tells him, "Come to the ark." Boil ateva, not lechel ateva. <laughs> there we discuss teva, referring to not only the ark, but also the word teva, meaning a word, referring to the teva, the words of Torah. Here, in turn, Boil Pare, the Almighty says to Moshe and to Aaron, "I will be there." I will be there. I will be at your sides. We will do this together. So the concept of Bayal Pari is a mission within a mission. Sorry. The mission of come to Pari to see to it that the Eden are freed. But higher than that. And it's not just a mission given over 2,000 years ago to Moshe and to Arein. It is a mission given to each and every one of us. A mission given to each and every Jew. Boy el paray. Come to your paray. We are all in the midsodom and the Givulim. We all find ourselves in the boundaries and the restrictions, restraints of Egypt. We are all under our personal parai. Says the Almighty, "I need you to come and to take yourself out of that element." I need you to come and to redeem yourself, to release yourself from this captivity in which we find ourselves. The Friday Rebbe, the previous Chabad Rebbe, whose yard site is Yud Shvat. And we know Shabbos is, name is Baruch Kuli Shabbos is a day which all the days of the week are blessed. On his yard site, and therefore, this Shabbos, Pasha's boy, the Shabbos prior to the yard site, is a day that blesses the day of the yard site. Therefore, Mary, give me a piece from Bureau Pure Shashi, Burea Therefore, we stand on this Shabbos, and we take the lesson, of the Friedrich Rebbe, for the Friedrich Rebbe's names, Yosef and Yitzchak, thank you, Yosef and Yitzchak, Yosef being referring, making reference to Yosef Hashem Lachem, the Almighty, will add for each and every one of us, Yitzchak kol Hashemei Yitzchak Akli, the Lashon of Simcha, all those that will hear, will laugh at me or with me, And the power of the previous rebbe, who sat in Golos, who sat in a true Golos, a Golos of Russia, of communist Russia, a Golos where he was under the oppression of the Germans in Poland in in the during the war. And then that day he arrives, Havzai and other in, excuse me, in, on the shores of the United States of America. He's greeted by a delegation of royal rabbis. And he put on his big day Shabbos to disembark from the ship. And he sat, his royalty, he was unfortunately in a wheelchair due to the Severe, severe treatment that he had in the Russian prisons. At one time, one of the prison guards took him physically and threw him down a metal flight of stairs. The famous story of the guard that wanted to pry open the Rebbe's mouth to get the Rebbe to talk about the Jews, about where the Chesidim were, etc. And he took a revolver and he put it in the Rebbe's face. And he said, this is something that gets everybody to talk. And the Rebbe said, if somebody has one world and two gods, that can frighten him that can frighten him but somebody that has one God and two worlds is not frightened by such a thing and since says the Rebbe I only follow one God and I believe that after this world is Elam Haba is the world to come I am not frightened such toys and this only infuriated him more and more as we said they physically, physically beat the Rebbe so when he arrived finally in America he was wheelchair bound the strokes that he had suffered, etc and he came off the ship and his delegation of rabbis, modern American rabbis, came to greet him. Said, the Rebbe, this is not Europe, this is America. America is Andres. They said to him, Lubavitcher Rebbe, this is not Europe, this is America, America is different, making reference to the Rebbe's beard, the Rebbe's bodic, the Rebbe's beckershe, the Rebbe looked at them, told him very defiantly, America is nicht anders. America is not different. And I will warm up the frost of America, said the Friedrich Rebbe. Friedrich Rebbe had been here prior. Chicago, Philadelphia, wherever it was. Friedrich Rebbe knew very well what the American mentality was. But more than that, he knew what his mission, what Hashem's mission was for him. We Yitzhak Rebbe had sent Chassidim to certain places in Russia under the communist regime to see to it that the Yiddish Ikinda have Kinech HaKedosh Kinech HaTar HaKedosh Jewish education and the places they went were not just iffy they were dangerous with a, literally a death threat. But they knew if the Rebbe sent them, this was their mission, they went. Some of them never came back. <laughs> and if it was found, it was discovered that a Rahman al-Hatzlan was killed by the communists. The Rebbe sent a replacement. Now you listening to that, you say, how callous can one be? This is almost like suicide missions. First of all, does the chassad have to go? And secondly, how callous is the Rebbe? To put his Khazir in such danger. Mm. Let us understand. The Rebbe is in a Shama Kloli. is a general soul which encompasses all the souls of the generation. To the Rebbe, each and every neshama, each and every Jew, is more valuable than the treasures of the world to other people. But yet the Rebbe understood the mission of each and every chassid. There was a time when the Rebbe was in the stove. Because they couldn't stay in the Bavitch. They ran to the stove. The Tzavachetik really, whatever. The Shab really went. And the Moistus were suffering. Those days you couldn't make a charity event. You couldn't do a uh, GoFundMe. You couldn't do any of these things. And they were, they were floundering. They were really going under. And there was one Menal Gashmi, there was one fellow that was responsible to see to it that the teachers got paid, that the Bakram had food, etc. He was 50% successful. 50% successful in that the people wanted to get paid and the other people wanted to eat. That was 50%. The other 50% getting money for them he was not very successful. So salaries were way behind. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I know it's very well the picture. Salaries were very far behind and the Bakrim did not have food to eat he approached a certain Gvir in Rastav, a very wealthy man. And the wealthy man said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. He was a miser. He asked him a second time, a third time, he begged, he pleaded the mouths of the people that has to feed, the families, the children. He knew nothing of it. but this man unfortunately found no other channels and he persevered he, day after day he'd come and pester this man the man says to him one day you know what you're happy with your cause you're confident that your cause the right cause he says yes I have an issue you solve my issue I'll give you whatever you want. So, what's your issue? It's unfortunate. My wife and I were not blessed with children. Give me a bracha that I have a child, and you're good to go. I will look after you. He says, "Okay, you got it. I give you a bracha. You're going to have a child." but I can't wait until the baby's born to get, to get this money. The guy says, no problem, how much do you need? He tells him the amount, he goes, and he counts out the exact amount. <clears throat> he covers the budget, and this chassid closes his eyes and puts his hands on his head, and he blesses the gvir with everything called Tusevah, and God willing, next year he should be holding a baby boy. Amen. Well, to everyone's surprise, to the rich man's chagrin, Months went by, 12 to be exact, and he was not holding a baby boy. Oh. He was not holding any baby. And he was not a happy camper. And he came to this mishloch and said to him, You lied. You lied to me. You told me I would have a child. There's no child here. You owe me now big time. Either I see a blessing coming to fruition the next few days, few weeks, or you're paying me back all the money. Well, <laughs> Chassid was in a, in a pickle. And he didn't know what to do. He said, don't worry, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. The mitzvah you did, the mitzvah you did. And he thought for sure that this Chassid was such a mitzvah, saving the yeshiva and saving the bachnum and saving the families, that the man would definitely be blessed. But day went after day and the man was coming back and saying, where's my blessing? Where's my child? So finally the Choset went to the to the Friedrich Rebbe. He told the Friedrich the of his dilemma. the Rebbe said, I can't help you. Can't help you. There's no child in this guy's future. <laughs> That's great news. And now what do I tell him? <laughs> the guy coming after him and finally he sees it's Kvabomayad Nafesh. Either I get him a bracha from the Rebbe or I leave the town. So he came to the Fezik Rebbe and told him I'm going to have to run for my life because this guy wants to kill me. So the Rebbe sat for a while and said okay this one time I'll do this. Don't ever commit yourself to anything again that you can't do. He said, I will change nature to save you. And the fellow was blessed with a child. Every Jew counted as the most precious gem in the world. For him to send the Chosid to an area where there was sometimes no return it was painful, but the Shnei Gevurot looked at the accomplishments that the Christ had accomplished, and this to him was more than anything else. And therefore, as Yud Shvat comes around this Sunday night, we should see to it that if you can go to the aisle obviously it's preferable to go to the oil. Have you say Mishnayis, the Aesius of the Yes of Yitzchak, is also important. The main thing is to undertake mitzvahs, maizis. If you know somebody that doesn't always put on film every day, to get them put on film that day, etc. We said before it's Pasha's boy. It's Pashish boy, But I want to teach you, I want to speak on the first Rashi in Khumish Beresh. That's a twist. You know, I told you the story many times of the Magid. He used to come, in the olden days the Magid would come and lecture a town. And they would give them Musa they would tell them about the sins they're doing and how they have to do tshuva. And there was one market that only had a Drasha, his speech only fit for the week of Pasha's Khirach. <laughs> only Kirach. Anyway, one time they caught him and they invited him for a different Pasha. To a town. He had no choice, he couldn't say no. He used to try to make all his livelihood off Pasha's Karach, but here another opportunity came up and the people would say oh if he's not going to go now they won't invite him for Kura so he came to the town and he got up there and had to speak before Musaf. he stood there in front of the crowd profusely sweating he reached into his pocket he took out his handkerchief (laughs) today's days people don't even know what a handkerchief is he took out his handkerchief and he wiped his forehead and he put the handkerchief down on the stender and as it went on the stender it slid off and it fell on the floor. And he got angry at the handkerchief and he says "I, you should go with Kairach and his whole people into the ground. And then he says oh, we're talking about Kairach already. And he gave his rasha from Pasha's Kairach. So had you not listened to my shir before, and if you never didn't check any of my archive shirim, you would think maybe I only have one speech to say, which is on Pasha Berechias. So I will tell you though I'm reverting back to Pasha Berechias, the first Rashi, the first pasuk in the Teda. <coughs> Berechias says Rashi, Amar Rabbi Yitzchok, Rabbi Yitzchok said. Lehayat tzadik vehaschel satira we did not need to start the tzeda Elo meachid shazer lachem only from the pasuk in pasha's boy haachid shazer lachem <laughs> the first time meishar benu is told a mitzvah the mitzvah of rosh chodesh and the Almighty is showing Moshe how to find the moon, what the new moon needs to look like. Says Rashi, ba This is the first mitzvah that the Jews were commanded. Rashi then goes on to explain why we don't start with Behaalachem, why we start with Bereishis bara. Let us scrutinize these words of Rashi. This is the first mitzvah. The Ramban turns around and says, Excuse me. We need to start from the beginning of B'raishah's bara because this is the roots of Emunah. We need to have, before we anything else, we need the root of emunah, of belief in God. Without that, nothing else works. So of course we needed to start from there. How could you say, <speaking in Hebrew>
1: Another
0: question, you want to tell me we're going to admit all that said in the Torah, there are so many lessons to us in all the times of Nayach <laughs> and Avram and Yitzchok and Yaakov the Shvatim, etc. But the most important question that I'm asking you, Rashi, on the words that you say, "She mitzvah is This is the first mitzvah. Hashem is the first mitzvah. Excuse me. There was the mitzvah of fruit of who? Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. Given. To other merishim. The mitzvah of Ramavinu has of Mila, Bismillah. And then the mitzvah of Yaqabinu struggles, struggles with the angel of Asav and he touches his vein and he apparently cripples him. And the tailor then gives us the mitzvah of Gidan Three mitzvahs are mentioned before. How can you say? <clears throat> the first mitzvah, <inaudible> the time that the Jews were separated, as an Am Yisrael, as a nation, chosen from all nations, this took place by matan When the Jews came to Sinai, they stood by Sinai and took and received the Teda, then, as it says in Pashas Yisraeli, they became S'gulla mikolam, Singled out amongst the entire nations. <laughs> Another time that the Jews were separated from the entire world was when they left Egypt. When the Jews left Egypt, they were the only slaves ever to leave the land of Egypt. Before that, in Egypt? They were sl- they had the whole world was slaves on Egypt at the time. Right. They ruled the world,
1: sure. Why did they
0: leave Egypt? In order to get the Torah What was the Torah? How does the Torah start off? The commandment, ha Kedosh, the Mitzvah of Rish Kedosh. Granted, Mila Gidhanoshe. This is all spoken about before Yitzchak Nesrayim. It was given only to Avram Yitzchak Yaakov. It was not given to the Jewish nation that was separated from all the nations. Uh-huh. It was a different level of what's known as Bnei Noyacht. And therefore, now we understand that Ash's question. What is the essence of Taitah? The essence of Taitah is to teach us lessons and to give us commandments that connect us with God. Who, is the, who are these mitzvahs, who are these commandments given to? To B'nai Yisrael, to the Jewish nation, known as Jews. When did that take place? When they went to Hasinai. Or even when they left Egypt. To go to Hasinai. And they were a chosen nation, different than any other nation. At that point in time, the tater went into gear. because it's serving the nation that it's supposed to serve therefore what is that first mitzvah mentioned once the Jews became their own entity and this should be a safe of its own but it's not written that way in the Torah it's not even as a lesson to the Jews as a nation, so Rashi answers: lamid Am Yisrael." The nation was given; the Taylor was given, starting from Berechis, to know how to deal with the rest of the world. And then Rashi goes on to explain. What the actual conversation and how the conversation goes about, and the reason being why the tailor was given, why the tailor begins with Bereisha's Bara. But the main focus that Rashi is talking about is why, is the answer to the question why it starts with Bereisha's Bara. Rather than But the concept that is the first mitzvah, it becomes the first mitzvah to a nation that was now, as a nation, doing mitzvahs. As a nation, becoming God's nation. Fast forward, back to Pasha's boy. Bay, as we said last week, is Gematria 3. Bay's Aleph is the numerical value 3. Teaching us that there are 3 Makis in Pashas Bay: Ar and Makis Be'chides. Let us focus chapter 10, verse 22. Pay Yud basik of bays it wasn't just dark. it was a thick darkness over the land of Egypt. If you were standing, you remained standing, if you were sitting, you remained sitting. you did not change positions throughout the days of the darkness. It was not possible. It was a tangible, you were able to feel the darkness. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, one of the purposes of the Maka of Cheshach, <laughs> there were hidden that were not ready to leave Egypt after all said and done. They still said, we don't want to leave these people were not to be allowed to throw a wet blanket on the Jewish nation. And therefore, unfortunately, they had to die. Try as everyone wanted to, to make them do tshuva, to repent, it didn't help. And therefore, unfortunately, they needed to die. But if the Egyptians would see them dying, the Egyptians were saying, hey, God can't manage everybody. He can't get them all. He doesn't have room for everybody on his train. So he's letting people die. He's not taking them with him. Therefore, it was during Makas where they did not see anything, the Egyptians that these Jews died and were buried. Really? Moshe Rabbeinu comes and tells you, you're leaving Egypt. And you say, no.
1: Sir.
0: Fake news. No. Fake Wrong president.
1: Um
0: <laughs> they say no. They are not going. Are you meshige? Yes. Yes. There's a story told. In the times of the Boshemtiv, the Boshemtiv had tremendous, tremendous opposition from many people he was a mystic he was a this he was a yent he was a they called him anything but a tzaddik it wasn't it wasn't presented in the playing field really it wasn't a recognizable position tzaddikim and therefore, you had people that begashmi as fought, and Akhman al practically spat when they heard the name Bashamtiv. One such fellow had Akhman al a very big problem. He had one and only daughter, and at 15, without any understanding as to who went and where, his daughter became introverted. That sort of horrific, horrific state. She would hide behind the oven. She refused to talk or to do anything with anybody. And because she was becoming so tense of it, she literally started to. She literally started to. She become paralyzed. Well, it's not. They went from doctor to doctor. The man was a wealthy man, and every doctor had the same result: nothing. One day, a chassid came to town, and he heard of this man's dilemma, and he said to him, "Why don't you take her to the bashemtiv?" The man was far a decent guy, and wasn't going to curse out the chassid in front of his face. when he left he started screaming and yelling there's no way it's not happening bottom line the mother could not see this going on child needed 24 hours care watch her only daughter wither away to death she started to edge on her husband he has to go to go, to go and he's screaming and yelling don't mention that name in my house again and although he pounded and screamed and threatened she, she just would not let up she was, not, she was relentless <clears throat> and he had no choice she said, Either you take our daughter or we get divorced. And she meant it, and he knew it. So there was no choice. And he took his daughter, put her in the wagon, connected the horse, and he set off to Mejibush. And he was not happy with what he's doing. He was not excited about it. He was not proud of it. But he also had no choice. And as he's traveling through the forest, he's getting angrier and angrier. He really did not want to do this. And after hours of travel, Mejabuj became on the horizon. And he entered the town, he goes to the marketplace and he asks, Where's the Bashemtiv? and the people are so pleasant and happy. Oh, the Bashemtiv, and they immediately directed him to the Baal Shem Tov. He comes to the home of the Bashem he prepared a, a bag of gold coins, 10,000 gold coins, a literal fortune. He says, I'm gonna give the guy the money, let me off all he's here for is money anyway and I'll head back and he came to the door of the Moshem he left his daughter in the wagon parked in the back of the house and he went around to the front he knocks on the door and he says he wants to see the Rebbe and they said please sit down and he's sitting there and he's sitting there and he's sitting, getting more and more edgy and more and antsy and more inclined to just walk out and say to his wife, no, I, I spoke to him and he couldn't do anything. Anything just to get out of here ready. It was going crazy from this. But as he was about to walk out the door, suddenly the chassid came over to him and said, the Rebbe wants to see you now. All right. He took the bag of money he parades into the room. He practically slaps the money, the bag on the on the table. He opens it up to show the gold coins, show the amount that is sitting in there. He says, "Here, this is what you're all about. You're about the money. Here's your money." Bashahtov looks at him very sympathetically, with very very loving eyes. And Hashem takes the whole bag and he closes it up again and says, I don't need or want your money. And he takes the bag and throws it over his shoulder out the window. A hey, fortune! 10,000 whatever it is over there. The guy was fuming, he says, hey, you're nuts! You really, you really are crazy. But before he could say anything, he hears a voice from the window outside. It's a voice of the girl. Screaming, Tata, Tata. Look what I found. Look how many coins are here. Come help me pick them up. And he goes to the window and he sees his daughter. Take off her hat and she's putting the coins in her hat. To pick up the coins. He immediately runs out of the room and he runs downstairs. <laughs> and he packs up the coins and he takes his daughter, he throws her in the wagon and says, Quickly get in the wagon before the Bashamta comes to chase me and says that he performed the miracle and wants the money back. Yeah. This is how people had a mind frame. The man saw an open miracle in his eyes. His daughter saved by the Balshemakolish, but would not was relentless. He would not say it was not not it was the Baal Tov, and definitely not want to give back the money. And unfortunately, this took place during Makischeshek. One of the reasons for Makischeshek for the plague of darkness another main purpose of the, the plague of darkness how your some says the jews had light many 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 deep profound explanations on these words but one of the things they did with their light during this era, during this few days, they went touring the Egyptians' homes. And they found all the places, all their hiding places with their gold and their silver. And their valuables. And as the Jews left, we see that the Jews took all the valuables. They came to the doors of the Egyptians as they were leaving and they said, oh, we're going to serve our God, we need some gold and silver. They said, we don't have any. And they said, well, you have in this closet, you have in that closet, you have over here, you have over there. Oh, they had no point, now there's no choice. They were caught. The Medish tells us the same thing, similarly. But the Medish adds a little bit. And the Medish tells us that the Jews canvassed the Egyptian homes in a supernatural way. Light went with them wherever they went and it lit up everything that was in the closets and the hidden recesses. Rashi only says that because the Egyptians were blinded, the Jews had the opportunity to go looking through their homes naturally. They went naturally from the drawer to drawer, they looked at everything, they had light. They so were able to look. Here, the message adds, no, that the light illuminated all the hiding places. Rashi's opinion, therefore, is it's supporting of the principle that what? That the natural process has to be involved when you perform a mitzvah. and thereby by doing it in a natural process, that's the significant component of this mitzvah. Why? Because what is the idea of a mitzvah? The idea of a mitzvah is to bring godliness into the world. Using, utilizing material means for godly purpose. So when a person does a mitzvah, not only he sanctifies himself, he sanctifies the object itself, which he's doing the mitzvah with. A shefer, a luliv, a Same thing, when there's a hardship, a financial cost involved in fulfilling a mitzvah, the Almighty blesses us with the opportunity that everything should be included that we should be able to fulfill the act the holy act and if this happened in a supernatural way then the world would remain unaffected so therefore the commandment that God gave the Jews to empty out the houses of the Egyptians of the valuables needed to be done, conducted in an ordinary fashion, in a natural way. Had B'nai Yisrael shown all the recesses, all the hidden recesses, through miracles, then the mitzvah to elevate the actual natural, natural resource would be lost. And we have a similar story to such a thing. In the beginning of the Rabbi's Nasiyas, we spoke that the previous Rabbi Pesto and Yujfat Tosh and Yud nineteen fifty Only a year later, in 1951, Tafshin Yiralef, did the Rebbe accept the mantle as Rebbe. In the earlier years, many people were able to go into Yechides more frequently, private audiences with the Rebbe. One such fellow was a businessman. asking advice from the Rebbe the Rebbe told him maybe you should think of putting on tefillin every day and keeping Shabbos Rebbe how's that going to help me Hmm. Rebbe smiled I don't understand, the Rebbe says. You're coming to me for business advice. I never went to business school. But you're relying on my business advice. I did go to yeshiva. And I do know teda. I do know mitzvahs. If I give you spiritual advice, you think that I don't know? That you're a better expert? Anyway, there was one fellow that came to the Rebbe for a blessing for business. Got a very interesting answer from Debbie. Deb opened this drawer. Took out money. Said I want to be a partner. (laughs) How much better could you ask? The is going to be my partner. Deb is investing in my business. Of course he's going to be blessed. So one minute. Nothing gets done without consulting me first. We're partners here. Do anything without talking to me first. That's a deal. No. The Rebbe tells him, I want you to go buy certain fur. There's a certain fur that Rebbe mentioned. I want you to buy them. So the fellow goes out, gets together $10,000 or something, he gives me money, I don't know the numbers. And invests in this furs. He comes back and tells the Rebbe, I bought. It was how much? $10,000.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Rebbe looks at him. Buy like I told you, buy. Half a million dollars. 1952, 53. Guy's traumatized. But the Rebbe's a partner. If the Rebbe says so, you gotta do what the partner says now. It goes out, it's not a half million dollars only. You buy a half million dollars worth of merchandise, there's more than just a half million dollars involved. You gotta get a warehouse now, you gotta put a security system, insurance, and everything. This is no joke anymore. But, he mortgaged everything he owned, he borrowed, he begged, he pleaded, and he got together the money. Listen, the Rebbe told him to do it, he's going to make big money. He came back and told the Rebbe, I bought a half million dollars, <coughs> I have it stored in this and this place, he gave the Rebbe a key to the storage. you it. It's okay, hold on comes a week later the nah, Rebbe doesn't say anything yet comes a month and uh, there's interest to be paid on the loans there's a lot going on here and he comes to the Rebbe and he says Rebbe um, what's going to happen here he says hold on a week or two later the to Helps and the furs <laughs> drop in value. They lose about 5%. The guy starts to hyperventilate. They again runs to the Rebbe. He they're losing money. He says, hold on, calm down. A month later, they lost another 10%. <clears throat> he comes to the Rebbe and says, Rebbe, listen, do me a favor. I understand, you I understand, you know. Let's sell now, at least to cut our costs, cut our losses. I'll be able to at least pay back the loans. I might lose everything that I borrowed, that I had on my own. But at least I'll cut, I can pay back everybody. If he says, calm down, hold on. This went on for a few months. And the guy felt he was ruined. He's sitting there on a half million dollars. of and nothing to do with it. He couldn't get up in the morning anymore. Anyway, the next morning he gets up and he walks to the newspaper stand and he gets his newspaper every day. He does the same thing. And he sits down with his coffee and he opens the newspaper and there it says that the fur that he bought increased by 400% overnight. He runs to the Rebbe and the Rebbe says, of course, sell now. He called the Rebbe. Excuse me. He called the Rebbe... And the Rebbe says, well, time to sell. Soldi became very, very, very wealthy. And he came to bring the Rebbe part of his check. He brings the Rebbe his portion. And he tells the Rebbe, okay. I'd like to go into another business deal with you. I'd like take your partners another deal. <laughs> the Rebbe says, no, thank you. You're a very tough partner, the Rebbe says. And that was the end of his partnership with the Rebbe in his business deals. So we see here how we need to rely on everything that the Tzaddik tells us and that in that merit we will see to it that the nature will also listen to everything that the Tzaddik says and since the Tzaddik says that Mashiach is standing on the rooftop Calling out Anovim, Anovim, Igiyaz, Mangul Aschem, and Parsh's Boy, Shmais and Ve'era talk about the lead up to the redemption. Bishalach talks about the Jews going out already of Egypt. Parsh's Boy talks about the actual Yetziyaz Mitzrayim, and as it finishes off with the concept of Tefillin, where Tefillin tells us how we have to remember the concept of leaving Mitzrayim we should talk a see beine bossa, this very Shabbos, how we all are out of our mitzvot and we're out of our boundaries, we're out of our exiles, as we come to Shabbos, and we lay in Bishavach pare already, Eftabai, and if you join us on Matzah Shabbos Lava Malka honoring the uh, Rabbi's birthday, or you can join us Sunday morning, Honoring the Rabbi's grandson as he puts on Tefillin for the first time in 770 Eastern Parkway at 10 o'clock. You can join us for both. You can join us for one. Very, very insulted if you join us for none. And hopefully we'll bring you to Shalai Shabbat Shalom to all.